is Jack Mancini, and I am sitting here with my long-term business partner, Adam Sunhalter. We're business coaches, and we have a program on every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. called The Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And tonight, we're going to have a sort of a mishmash of small business stuff. We deal with uh, owners of small companies, and we define that as from 1 to 25 employees, any industry. They usually have, it's surprising, we've been doing, as I said, for 15 years, the commonality of issues. Uh, we have provided an awful lot of solutions, and chances are very high we can do the same thing for your company. Now, tonight, and what we usually do with our, our hour-long program is talk about issues that come up during our coaching engagements. And usually it's uh, maybe the last couple of days, issues that come up. And we kind of uh, list those and talk about pros and cons and get silly sometimes and go off track sometimes. And uh, sometimes we get serious and depends on the, the situation. But we like a lot of uh, interactivity. We, we have a lot of fun with it. And tonight I'm just going to start and we're going to bounce around a little bit. Uh, I'm going to start with a little article I saw in, in uh, the Wall Street Journal under the little section, it's a regular section, I think it's daily, called Notable and Quotable, about Princeton's endowment. You know Princeton, that big Ivy League school somewhere in the east. Um, this guy, it's R.R. Reno, that's his name, at firstthings.com. I love this guy, and I'm going to read just a little bit. It's a short thing. I'm going to read a little bit about it, and I know Adam Sunhalter is going to jump in there because he's going to hear he's going to hear two words that that make me like this guy a lot. Is it, is it Go Blue? No way. It go, wouldn't be Go, go Blue. Go Cats? It wouldn't be Go Blue. But jump in when you hear the, the, right. the trigger I'm words. Ready. I'm here. ready to jump, Jack. Okay. He, the, apparently, our, I'm guessing RR is a, a male. RR Reno. So apparently RR went to uh, the president of my alma mater, wants me to join him in lobbying Congress to block attacks on supersized college and university endowments. His message was, in effect, rise up, ye graduates of elite universities, and defend the rich. George Will answered the call. George Will is an old-time kind of a, he's a writer, supposedly a conservative, but I don't think so, but he apparently is a, a graduate of Princeton, so he answered the call. He's a he's a regular journalist and has been for decades. In his regular Washington Post column, he penned a defense of one of the richest of the rich universities, Princeton, the Fancy Pants University. Oh, there it is. There it is. That's fancy why I pants. love this guy. He's a graduate of Princeton, and he's calling Will a fancy, a fancy pants guy, and and the whole issue of University of of uh, Princeton, where they're in in New Jersey, they enjoy a monstrous endowment of more than get this, Adam, twenty two billion dollars. Mm. That's money sitting in a bunch of accounts here. Billion with a B. B with a B. But it is so noble and benef benefic benefic be uh, beneficent. I'm saying that wrong. That's what Will tells us. In other words, this is a very benevolent university. That $22 billion is is perfect for, for Princeton. Princeton provides scholarships to nearly one-fourth of the undergraduates who come from families that have difficulty paying its tuition, its room, its board, and its fees, which exceeds $60,000 a year. So they got $22 billion, and they're helping one quarter of the, the student population. Now, that sounds generous, according to R.R. Reno, but it's not. Do the math. A modest 5% return on $22 billion is $1.1 billion. Princeton has 5,000 5, undergraduates. That's $220,000 for every undergraduate every year. The amount given in scholarship aid is a piddling portion of Princeton's endowment income. Assume that the quarter of the Princeton students who get aid receive full scholarships, which they don't, of course. That would cost the university around $75 million per year, less than 10% of its endowment income. Now, what does this all mean? I have no friggin' idea other than I like Reno, R.R. Reno, because he called Princeton University fancy pants. 
Adam and I talk about fancy pants people all the time. We are very far from fancy pants people, and we have a lot of uh, issues with them. So that's a long way of introducing our program and Adam. And Adam, what the heck are we doing here? Because I got I got the main part of our program, which I'll introduce after you introduce you. That's right. We're Gene. We're Gene. Gene's kind of guys. Blue jeans guys. Kind of like Neil Diamond, right? Forever in blue jeans. That's more our style, not fancy pants. <clears throat> I'd rather go with no pants and fancy pants. All right. So, yes, we're here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. We always welcome you to be part of the Make show. Sure. Make sure you're <laughs> sitting down. I know. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm standing here in the studio. That's all you see. It's kind of my midsection on down. So, it's, it's good right. for me to be wearing pants. Often they don't wear pants on, on, on TV. You know that jacket? They wear, the, they, they, they wear the suit jacket and tie and the shirt. But often they're wearing shorts or something else underneath because you can't see that, that desk, as right? As long as that cameraman doesn't mess around. That's right. That's right. Make them stand up or make them jump, then it's okay. But in any case, yes, we're here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business, and you're always, always welcome to be part of the show. You can get us here when we're live in the studio on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. we got Sean sitting by waiting for your phone. 440-946-9468. Easy to remember, 440 440- Nine four six nine four six eight. So pretty pretty easy to do. Uh, you can tweet at us for our company one. It's at Maximum VP. Uh, for Jack Mancini, it's at Jack M M V P. And for me, you can get me at, at Adam Sonhalter. We'll also take emails. Radio MaximumVP.com is a great way to get a hold of us. But uh, yeah, we've got a hodgepodge of a show here tonight. I got some other things I want to talk about too in terms of political correctness. But I know you got some some other articles there you want to kind of touch on first, Jack. So I'll let you. Launch it off again. Okay. Over the last several programs, we've been talking about employment in different ways. And uh, I thought I'd pick up on that a little bit. And again, I'm perusing through the Wall Street, which I love dearly. There's usually good, good articles in there, good good things for us to uh, uh, basically, basically, (laughs) wait a minute, I'm ringing bells here. Wait, let me get off the buzzer. Anyway. Okay, what we're talking about on this article here, and we'll sort of uh, uh, infuse in our program tonight, are five myths about landing a good job later in life. I like to talk to those old folks because I'm an old folk, except I don't think of myself as one. So usually I'll get in trouble somewhere along the line with that attitude, but that's the right attitude to do. So let me say it again. Five myths. Five myths about landing a good job. And the author of this article is Anne Tegresen. Now, it starts out, here's a stereotypical view of job opportunities by older workers, and it's not pretty. It goes something like this. If you're past 50 and thinking of a career switch, forget it. The opportunities for older workers in the new economy are pretty much non-existent. And if you're, and if you're even... Even worse, if you're in even worse shape, if you're in your 50s and 60s, retired, but want to get back in the workforce in a job that is both challenging and financially rewarding. The only spots available are low-skilled and low-paying, whether that's burger flipper, Walmart greeter, or Uber driver. Boy, have a lot of people been misinformed. So Ann talks about these five myths. And the first one is that you, the older person, I'm not going to find a good job. The reality, she says, is baby boomers are getting better jobs with better pay, better status and working conditions than prior generations of older workers. Do you believe that? I believe it. I think it's attitudinal. What do you think, Adam? Attitude's a big part of this, and people certainly undervalue their skills no matter what the age is going to be. They don't often know how good they are. We know what a good person looks like and what they and, and the experience that's there. It's a matter of how do you apply it in today's today's world. It gets it gets overwhelming when you think of technology and you see younger people uh, very proficient and confident and buzzing around and using technology while you kind of uh, uh, drag up the tail end. Well you don't put the right value on your experience. And the fact that that you have interpersonal skills, the fact that you understand how business works and how relationships work and how important it is in in terms of communication other than just social media, you understand those things instinctively to the same degree that younger people understand technology. So we, we have two forces moving basically to make an organization better 
and older people can add tremendous value. But if they come into a, an interview, if they look at a company or an opportunity with hat in hand and slump shoulders, hey, they aren't going to make anything. <laughs> you just don't hire people who come off like that. So the myth two, you can't take time off or you'll never get back into the workforce. Reality, about 40% of people who retire take a break and then return to work, typically within two years. Now, I believe that, and I've done it myself. And I'm, I'm uh, let's see, how, how would you characterize my technological skills, Adam? <laughs> how do we want to grade this on a scale of 1 to 10? 10 being top-notch, 1 being you can't turn on a, turn on a device. I'd put you... For your age, I'd put your bite at about a six. All right. That's good. So my age, my age is uh, 74. So I'd say that's, that's pretty good. But uh, yeah, that's a common fear for a lot of folks, even even younger folks. They have the, the, that constant battle or concern, especially for females in the workplace, by going to have babies, having kids. If it take, take some time off and kind of go away. But we know, we, we know it's true. If you have a good person who's smart, capable, you know, if they take a little bit of time off, you'd still want them on your team. That's what that's kind you of want saying. them because it's more. If I go back when uh, pre-computers, when you know you use legal pads, yellow legal pads, and stuff to take notes, that was that was the way it would be normally done. Like this, See, I'm showing up in, in our camera. Here we go. That's Yo, exactly yeah. right. He, you know, I'm that, an older guy. I Adam's uh, no, he's I'm not also an typing older my guy. iPad over here too. No, he uh, he's he's not an older guy. He's using the blend of both, and the blend of both is fine with age and experience. The technological use of, of how you process information is secondary. It isn't top, and that's important. That's important, and it's a jolt to your confidence, not a negative jolt, a positive jolt, like taking a good drink of uh, fine liquor. It, uh, well, maybe some people don't drink liquor anymore. Anyway, that's the second myth. The third myth I'm going to come back to when we break, come in from our break here because we have a break coming up. We have here, a break coming we? up. So the, 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 top, the, the title of this article, again, is Five Myths About Landing a Good Job. Is that right? For Five Myths About Landing a Good Job Later in Life. Later in Life. Okay, so later in life. How does she define later in life, Jack? Does she, does she define it in terms of give like an age? She does. I was going to get to There's a lot of data under each of these myths, but uh, she's talking from 50 to 64. Okay, and beyond, but basically... Wait a minute, so I'm, I'm almost there, Jack. I'm 45, so I'm almost there later in life. I know you are. I, I don't, I don't, We're all later. I don't, and it's funny how you don't view it, I don't view it that way at all. I got a kid who just finished freshman year in high school. I got a daughter who's going to be going into seventh grade. So I don't think I'm... I'm just getting to my prime here, not getting in the, in the later part of life. But I do have an ARP card coming here in a couple of years, too. I know that in five years. Well, she's there. talking more about older, older than <clears throat> 65. All right. Well, so your ways there yet. All right, so we're gonna hear more about that when we come back. About you know, we're gonna continue on this as well as some other topics. So we got a little bit of a random show, but we have some good stuff for you tonight. So stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter, and I'm Jack Mancini. We're coaches with Maximum Value Partners, business coaches. All right, we got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way here on Integrity Radio, WINT thirteen thirty AM, one hundred one five FM, and online wintradio.com. All right, here we are, back and live in the studios, talking about lots of good stuff here on Dirty Secrets of Small Business. And don't worry, we'll make good connections to the to the small business world when you stay tuned and listen to more of this. So I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we are talking tonight about older people, that's over 65, and their ability to join the workforce. And we're talking about five myths <clears throat> that exist that basically leans towards older people can't find jobs in today's economy, which is a lot of huchka. Huchka. And we covered the first two myths in the first segment. One was I'm not going to find a good job. And myth number two is you can't take time off or you'll never get back in the workforce. So those yeah, are the first right. two of the five. And you got Total three nonsense. More. This is all attitudinal. That was a nonsense? Or would you say huchka? What huchka. is that? What this is, is that? huchka. Huchka is bullshit. That's what <laughs> That's, That's what, what it is. In some foreign language, but I'm not sure which. All right. Okay, myth number three. I'm not going to make a, I'm not going to make as big a contribution as I did in the past. And the reality, according to the authors, older workers can play a more vital role than ever. 
That's not a real strong statement, but I understand what they're saying. Again, the changes going on in the workplace are a mix of old and new. So if you go in there with a confident attitude and a willingness to learn, you as an older person are going to be just as successful. Now, there's discrimination and bias because of, of these myths. Like somehow older people can't perform. Well, they can't perform anything or everything, but younger people can't either. And again, it comes back to the mix. What do you think about that, Adam? Uh, as, as, you're, as you're talking, Jack, the, the, the first image coming to my mind was some of the fantastic movie that I know you've seen and probably most of our listeners have seen called Shawshank Redemption. Oh, yeah. And the the guy, I can't recall his name off the top of my head right now, but it was the guy... Robbins? Uh, no, no, it wasn't one of the main guys. It was, it was the older guy, the older gentleman who was in charge of the library. Yes. Want to get the library in there? Yeah, okay. yeah. And about halfway through the movie, he he got released after he was in, he was there for what thirty or forty years, and he he gets released, and he is absolutely petrified, absolutely petrified. Great, great example. Because so many things have changed since he was out of prison. Everything from simply as he's walking across the street, you have all these cars now that were driving back and forth, and they show him, you know, he's now bagging groceries at the uh, at the grocery store and. He has to go to the bathroom, so he's kind of—he's raising his hand, asking the boss if he can go to the bathroom. He's like, "Yeah, he's like, yeah, you can go." But the idea of being able to assimilate back into that culture—I think as, as you're as you're giving this myth, Jack, about the idea that I'm not going to make as big a contribution as, as, as I did in the past—I think again, that's, that's somebody feeling kind of out of place, or as they walk around. I guess the technology probably has a big part to do with this. I think so. In terms of just being more and more so than ever. Yeah. yeah. So versus, hey, you know, you got tremendous technology right between your ears. In terms of what's you know, what knowledge, skills, and experience you, you have, it's a question of how to be able to share those things and, and be able to make them relevant to, and for people to understand it. But that, that experience is tremendously valuable, and it ties into a lot we do with a lot of our clients. Where, and, and, and for, for you, you owners out there, um, it's a common common mindset to not want to hire somebody who you view as being overqualified. We see it all the time. All saying, the time. That's you know, right. I, you know, this person's going to get bored or uh, <clears throat> you know, I shouldn't bring him here. It's like, we're like, Tom, bring this person in because if you have a good person, bring them in. Even if they only stay for three months, six months, for a year, the value that they'll bring during that time is tremendous and will move you forward and it will add stuff to your organization you can't even, you can't even articulate right now. But having a good person on board, and, and there's a tremendous knowledge. Somebody's in their 60s or 70s who's been working for 30 or 40 years, they have tremendous experience, tremendous lessons, a lot of things that can be gleaned from their experience. And it's finding a way for them to be able to plug it in and be able to, 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 to add that to the organization is fantastic. Very well said. Okay, myth four. The only type of work available to older applicants is part-time. The reality is in 1995, and this goes back a bit, the number of people age 65 or older working full-time had more than tripled at that point. My guess, it's, it's not inconceivable that it tripled again. And there are a lot of older people in the workforce, and you can make a difference. Uh, you know, it, it, it sounds like it's coming from a, um, a position of defense, and it isn't. You just got to go in there and, and come in with attitude. Attitude is everything. You got stuff that you never even tested that basically you're going to quit on by not engaging, by not going out, by not saying I belong. And if you've tried, after you have engaged seriously and you can't get something in the first 20, 30 tries, keep going. And more importantly, and we're going to touch on this in Myth 5, is the Hold chan- on, hold on. Oh. Before, you, before you jump to that real quick, okay. Jack, let, me, let me go back into your own history a little bit here, and this idea of a part-time gig. And when you were coming out of corporate America and you were taking some time off, you mentioned taking some breaks here, right? This is the, I'm right. a couple of these, couple of these guys together. So you're taking a year off or a couple of years off to kind of do stuff. And one of, one of the offers you got, given your financial background, working for big corporations and working, setting up audit departments and running different divisions of companies, was to come in and to be a part-time CFO. Part-time, right? And that made absolutely no sense to you at that point. It was ter- terribly foreign. Because it was so foreign I couldn't even comprehend it, as yeah, stupid as that sounds. Because you were coming out. No, I think it's a common thing they're talking about here. Again, the idea is if you know, it's kind of the, the all-in or not all-in. It's you know, kind of poker thing here. Push all your chips in. If I'm going to work, the only way to work is full-time versus, wait a minute, what's wrong with a couple different part-time gigs where you're, you're doing – again, because you may have – 
You may be the point, and, and as you're mentioning the whole 65 plus uh, the percentage of folks that are working, I think part of that is probably, again, we've gone from the industrial revolution to more of the, the information age and, and, and using more brain power versus physical labor. So while we, we, we will typically get physically weaker as we age, we're gonna get, you know, as long as our mental facilities are there, we, we have a lot more mental strength and, and knowledge than folks who are younger than us. So the value that can be added is tremendous. You don't necessarily need to be working at one place full time because the, the value you're adding is at a very high level. So maybe having a couple of part-time gigs where you're, you're working 10, 20 hours a week at a couple different places might be a, actually a fantastic fit for you to be able to keep you at a very high level versus having to kind of go down and tap into some very low-level jobs, which is not where you're, you know, that's not where you fit. People will joke all the time, but hey, I want to you know, go be a Walmart greeter. And it's like, well, why? I don't want to be a Walmart. <laughs> After want about an hour do doing that, that you're, you're ready to walk out. Especially, especially you know, from our our folks, you know, the folks who are, who are business owners, you know, it's just, it's you know, it may appear great, and you know, it's like the whole idea of retirement. You know, it appears great, but it's like you get bored. You can get bored pretty quickly. And those kind of jobs where they aren't mentally challenging, you're not able to share your knowledge and help train people, get them better, and, and be able to, to add to the organization is going to drive you nuts in the long term. That's right. Again, well said, Adam. Well said. All right, myth five. The chance to be an entrepreneur has passed me by. Now, that one I could laugh, and I did laugh out loud. Like, come on. Come on. That, that Nothing could be further than the truth. And the reality, she says, Americans in their 50s and 60s make up a growing share of entrepreneurs. Now, these are very brief reality statements, but and, and there's quite a bit of verbiage that follows each of these myths. But according to a nonprofit, Ewing Marion Kaufman Foundation, Individuals between the age of 55 and 64, that's where I got that range, uh, represented 24% of the entrepreneurs who launched businesses in the year 2015. 24%. That's so up. one out of four, okay. That's right. That's up from 14% in 1996. So in 20 years. That's right. pretty big. That's a pretty big jump. In contrast, despite their reputation for having an entrepreneurial bent, Americans aged 20 to 34 launched 25% of the startups in 2015, down from 34% in 1996. So it's taken directly from them. That 10% loss has gone directly to the older folks. The older folks. and Older folks, come on, unite. That's right. Take it over. Get off your collective budinskis here and uh, take over and walk in there and say, I don't know shit about uh, a lot of this technology, but I know a lot about this. And here's how to make us successful. Come in with solutions. Come in with attitude. You can do anything you want unless you're a weenie. You know what a weenie is? <laughs> no, no. I, I won't picture, go that I'm way picture, I'm picturing somebody in one of those mock turtlenecks, so those dickies, right? Are those are called? <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Cousin Eddie from uh, Christmas right. Vacation. That's right. He's kind of a weenie, right? <laughs> <laughs> is that a good is that a good visual of a weenie? Uh, that's one definition. Okay, wait. All right, where am I at here? Okay, the data indicate the United States might be on the cusp of an entrepreneurship boom. An entrepreneurship boom. Not in spite of the aging population, but because of it, writes this Dane Strangler, vice president of research at Kaufman. Okay. Experts say the, the, the years of experience and savings to back their ideas, the baby boomers typically have advantages that younger adults lack when it comes to launching new ventures. Adventures. Isn't that true, Adam? And we see it. It's one of our criteria for will somebody be a successful entrepreneur. Perhaps as a result, older entrepreneurs have higher success rates. They got usually the financial burden isn't there. The, the curiosity and love of trying to do something else. They, this article, it's, it's about a three or four page article in the Wall Street. And uh, it talks about a, an engineer, high powered engineer at 60. He ended up going out looking for a, a different pursuit, two or three things he had on a list, and ended up being a beekeeper. And, and things like this, when you engage and you go out, it, it's inspirational. This stuff is inspirational to me because older people can still do so much and add value not only to the economy but to the communities and basically themselves adam i can picture oh, i can picture that. you being a beekeeper jack i can see you in that beekeeper outfit out there <laughs> tending to the honeybees 
So I'd, like, be, so I'd like, be swatting at them. So like watching the birds. <laughs> well, wait, don't laugh at that. Beekeepers need help. Oh, I like beekeepers. I love honey. That's all right. It's good. All right, these are these are okay. good things. So that's our, you got you got some. You wanted to take a tractor. This is that's okay. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll put this some is unstructured. Time I'll put some links in the in our notes. These articles. I'll, I'll grab them from you, Jack. You got the paper version. I'll get some links to those articles to put them up on our notes so people can look at them and and read the whole article. You've read a good chunk of it, but to read in some more depth. But good yeah. stuff. We got some more things coming back. I got some some things to get into. I want to talk about some of the political correctness BS going on out Ooh, here. Like oh, talk One about. of our so favorites. Stay tuned for that. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. And we're business coaches with Maximum Value Partners. We can help your business. We can help you get unstuck from the state of Hall. All right. Stick around. We got more dirty secrets of small business coming your way on Integrity Radio, WINT, 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com. All right, we're back here for the second half of the Dirty Secrets of Small Business show for this evening. Thanks for being a part of it. I'm one of your co-hosts, Adam Sonhalter. And I'm the other co-host, Jack Mancini, and we're going to switch gears here a little bit. We, uh, we're talking about older people finding jobs and five myths that the author of this Wall Street Journal article showed that if you get an attitude, this is uh, my interpretation, if you have the right attitude, right confidence, uh, you can have more fun after 65 than you ever, ever realized in contributions to community, money, if that's an issue, but that usually isn't the bigger motivator. You just can do some great things and feel good about yourself. All right. So, Jack, you had the first half of the show. I'm going to take the second half of the show to kind of kick off some ideas, but I know you're going to have lots to say about these things. Fair good. Fair One good. of the topics yeah, that's fair, been very good, not fair. Driving, us, good. driving us nuts for a long time. It's political correctness, Ooh. and there are all kinds of examples uh, across the board, uh, not the least of which I just I just started to follow uh, Roseanne Barr on Twitter this afternoon, Jack. Now, I never followed her before. I, I'm, not, I'm still getting up to speed on Twitter, but after hearing what happened yesterday, I figured I had to follow her because there's a witch hunt going on where all of a sudden, you know what, if I'm, if I'm saying something that's offensive to somebody, all of a sudden it's going to cost me, me my livelihood. Not doing anything to impose myself on somebody, like all the sexual harassment things that are kind of going on, where I'm physically assaulting somebody. But if I'm saying something that, that that's going to offend somebody, I got to watch myself. So if I make a joke or tongue-in-cheek joke, or I do some things here or there, and uh, all somebody's got to do is say, "Hey, I'm so offended, I'm so disgusted by what you've said," versus let's have a discussion about what you're trying to say, and let's not take ourselves so damn seriously. Can we please just not take ourselves so seriously and, and really have some discussions about stuff and not go on witch hunts and vilify people where we all got to be perfect all the time because we have to be that way, Jack. We aren't going to be saying anything that we actually mean. It's a bunch of... It's a bunch yeah, of I think that's evolved already, hasn't it? Pretty much. I feel like we're there. It's, it's instantaneous. And with, with, with the advent of social media where people are connected all the time, there's, there's, you know, as soon as something happens, people know about it instantly. And they want instant results. So I don't know how many hours it was. It wasn't very many between when this tweet came out and ABC comes on and cancels the show. And that canceling the show is not only going to you know, harm Roseanne. I'm sure Roseanne's probably okay financially. I think for the last I heard she was living over in Hawaii, which is not inexpensive. She probably has, has some money put aside. But there are a couple hundred people that, that, that are working on that show. And here they are at the highest of the highs where the show came back after, after two decades. And they were the number one rated show on TV. And here they are within a matter of hours. 200 people are out of work because somebody got offended by a joke. So what do we, who do we blame? And I think blame is the right word. This isn't just one of those little passive, innocent uh, soirees here. Who do we blame? You know, who are they? Who, who you know, you can look at the, the social media. Somebody fuels it. To start a, a, a judgmental program in a world where we don't judge people, which is a lot of nonsense. But who is the blame? Corporate executives? Why don't they stand strong? Well, the, our boards of directors uh, so conservative and, and so basically so unwilling to take a stand on issues and try to sort out and interject common sense. <clears throat> Somebody's always, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I can be uh, insulted every day, and to some degrees, I'm annoyed by by somebody or some, you know, people every day. 
So what what rights do I have? This whole right business has gotten totally out of control. Your your point about Roseanne Barr, you know, a person and a and a top notch program was ruined because of even if it was you know a, a, a true comment, not a um, you know not not an innocent comment of just what she thinks. She's got a right to do that. Say whatever she wants to say. There's no moral. Is that a moral clause violation in a contract? I don't know what that is. I'm sure there's more to it than that, but it's ridiculous. It's it's gone to a point of ridiculousness. I think uh, to Jack, I may try to answer your question with uh, one of our favorite games we've played over the years. It's called Let's Pretend. Remember that game? <laughs> yep. We learned that. We, <laughs> yep. we learned that in some well. sales training years ago with the Sandler Sales Institute. It was a great, great game because it was, hey, let's pretend whatever, and you can always follow up. Let's pretend with whatever you want to have it to kind of follow up. So let's pretend that everybody's going to get along with each other. Everybody loves each other. We all understand each other, and we're all going to be able to sing Kumbaya. Let's pretend that that's going to happen. Now, can you even see that? Not a chance. I, I sure, I sure as I can't see that. Right. So that's what people are doing, Jack. They're they're, they're pretending that okay, we're all we should all just kind of get along, and we we all you know we we, we shouldn't shed light on our differences. The fact that we aren't necessarily like each other, we should all talk and think and speak the same. And all of a sudden, one of the first things that pops into my mind is a little guy about yay tall with a little thin mustache, little thing, over in Germany, my heritage back in the 1930s, named Adolf Hitler and the Nazis. All right? <laughs> Pretty extreme, but that's a good... Well, we get everybody to think alike, act alike, and so here's how, here's how things should be. So there are things that aren't being said, that aren't being talked about. And again, taking ourselves so seriously... You know, we, you know, so if if she had done that instead of doing it on a tweet, if she had done it during one of her stand-up routines, would the same thing have happened? Because it was done in a different venue. It's it's done in where it's done on a comedy stage, and all of a sudden we're allowed to do comedy. Or if it was, if it was actually done on her show, and jokes are being made, it's showing like we are, we don't all agree. We 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 aren't all flawless people. We all have we all have our we all have our warts. So again, should we, should we just pretend? It seems that more. We don't have those it seems more, Adam. Whoever the purveyors of whoever the they are, who can start this, you know, comedies, uh, political speech on campus, you know, you, if you say things, your your show can be shut down. Your your uh, presentation can be shut down instantly. Why is that? Where where is the authority for that? And who who authorizes that? Who motivates and who is motivated by that kind of stuff? You know, how do you grow as a community? I, I don't think I don't think the thinking is there. You know, it's just a reaction. It's more, you know, I remember in the, the Vietnam War and the college campus protestations. You know, when you're 22 years old, you don't know a whole lot really about the world. Uh, you're you're driven by parties, and that's that's what went on a lot with those protests. And some people took them seriously, obviously, but I don't think it was the majority. Um, so what? Where where does somebody who's upset and starts to vocalize it accrue the power to shut things down? How how does that happen? Where did it happen? And why can't it be undone? And I think it will be undone because it's stupid. I don't use that word often, but when I do see something terribly stupid, I will use it. Well, I think you, you try to. Again, I, I have still relatively young kids, 15 and soon to be 12 here, and I've watched them kind of grow up, and I see see them doing a lot of the same things I did when I was a kid. Okay, technology and things aside, but in terms of how they interact with each other, and how they poke at each other, and will make fun of each other, and usually it's making fun of the differences. It's a it's a natural. I don't know if it's inborn. I think it's probably it's part of how, part of how we're wired to a certain right. extent. We're, you know, okay, so you, you know you start to become indoctrinated as you get older to, to now start to uh, you you want to ask about those things and, and, and understand. I'm not saying you should understand it, but again, to be able to poke fun at each other a little bit, poke fun at ourselves first of all, and then to be able to poke fun at somebody else and they get offended. Okay, but to be able to have that power, your point to kind of just wipe them off the face of the planet to a certain extent, or to pull away their their, their entire livelihood. We all make mistakes. And who's deciding what's a fatal mistake versus just how things are? That's the key question. And I was talking to somebody the other day. I was uh, busting his butt a little bit. He was uh, he used to be in the Boy Scouts. He goes, "Oh wait, it's now it's called something. I don't know what the heck it's called now, Jack. It's not called the Boy Scouts anymore. It's 
called the BSA, I think it is, takes it takes the thing out. I'm thinking, wait a minute, you know, that basic of a thing that, hey, you know, boys and girls, men and women, we're different. It's okay to be different. It's okay to 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 to, to act different. And, and it's you know, why taking those things away or or, or putting labels onto things? That's how we identify stuff. Good versus bad. Is that not a label? Well, how do we think? Well, things just are. No, there is evil out there. There is, there is goodness out there. Let's start to identify and be able to talk about it versus what we're doing is that what the political correctness is doing is it's shutting people down. And it has a tremendous impact on business just, just recently here. I, I know this is, this is something you, you talked about a couple weeks ago, Jack, was this whole Starbucks situation. Yes. Okay? For those of you who aren't aware, there was just, actually it was yesterday, I believe, the, the, the Starbucks stores closed down across the nation for a couple hours to provide sensitivity training to all of their to all of their employees. And this all stems from a couple weeks ago. I forget where it was. It was in Virginia or in Florida, somewhere on the east, uh, eastern half of the U.S., where there, there, there were two black gentlemen who were, in a, who were in a Starbucks, weren't buying anything. They were just hanging out there. They were waiting. I think that supposedly they were waiting for somebody. Okay. But, and know, they, like an hour the, wait. And, and they were told to, to leave to buy something or leave or something like that, and all of a sudden it became this whole racial issue. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Now all of a sudden, then they, 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 within 24 hours, again, very quick reactions. These choices of very big issues are being made like that, just instantaneous reactions to it of, hey, anybody who wants to come and hang out as long as they want can now come to our stores and use our facilities and everything else. I'm thinking, this is a business. Starbucks is a business. They're in the business of not only having an environment, they're in the business of selling coffee primarily as well as other stuff, but they're in the business. So saying what? That they feel the pressure to have to say, hey, hey, you want to come just hang out my place? Put your feet up. Spread your crap all over the place. Not buy anything. Just hang out and, 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 and siphon off of me. Here I am paying all the bills to do stuff, and you, don't, and you aren't even going to do so much as buy a cup of coffee from me? And it's okay for you to come here because otherwise I'm discriminating against you? How insane is that? That is. That's, that's tough. That goes against everything I've certainly learned in my life. And in terms of if you're running a business, you got to show respect for it. And it goes both ways. But apparently this was not a disrespectful. You know, we're, we aren't dealing with all the facts, but I don't want to deal with all the facts in this case. It was an emotionally charged uh, episode by the CEO to come up with this policy. These two black people were given compensation of some type and kind. I don't know for what. Um, Basically, it's that type of outburst that has a strong following. I think it has a strong following. I don't know. The way news is resorted and where things are are summarized today, it's hard to tell what really is a, 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 a big offense and a smaller offense. And you can conjure up all kinds of rationale. And usually it's presented in a highly emotional way, which really doesn't, you know, doesn't settle too much in terms of trying to understand the outcome. Well, there's a, there's a vocal, th- you know, uh, folks who are, who are very vocal about it, maybe have uh, more followers or whatever it's going to be. But again, you know, I'm wondering if if it was two Asian people as opposed to, to, to black people or if it was two Indian people or if it was two white people, right? If it was a, a gay couple, I'm trying to think, of, you know, does it matter who it was that was asked to leave? It also becomes a racial issue. Again, it's one of people throw things down as being a racial thing. I, you know, I remember that for eight years when President Obama was in office. If you were to criticize President Obama, you were viewed as being a racist. Crazy. Well, no, I just don't like what this person's doing. It has nothing to do with their, their race, their color, their creed. I don't really care. It has to do with what they're doing. But we can't have these kind of discussions. So how can a corporation, and, and I forget, I don't know how, much, how many billions in sales that Starbucks has, but it's, it's quite a lot. But let me tell you, I'm, I have no desire to go back. And I see here's a cup here. You're, you're drinking from Starbucks. I have no desire to go to Starbucks. <laughs> I don't I'm not a big coffee I fan went, anyway. No, no, I went there to see if I could use the bathroom. And they made you buy something. Yeah. You felt guilty. Or that's, that's part of what you do. Yeah, yeah that's, that's normal. I'll call that. Here, here's I, I call that being, uh, um, being a good, stupid. decent. No, no, hold yeah. on. I call you know being a good, decent person. You know, We had to stop on the way back. We were up in Sandusky, which is about uh, about an hour from, from Cleveland, for those of you who aren't familiar with the area. There was a winery we went to for dinner with some friends for a birthday a couple weeks ago. And we had to make a pit stop on the way back. So get off the highway, pull out, pull off at a gas station, go in to use the bathroom. And I went and I bought a, you know, I bought a soda. Because I feel guilty just kind of coming in. Using the facilities. Using the facilities. Not, you know, I, I didn't need gas. 
I just needed to use the restroom. So I was like, well, let me at least buy, you know, I spent a couple bucks here, you know, and, and buy a soda. That's what a decent person does. You know, you recognize that, hey, they're here and I, you know, what's a couple bucks, right? But for me to make sure that that, that they'll be there, next, be there next time, kind of thing. But that's just that's kind of what that's kind of how I was brought up. So I think that's the right way to to, to act. So the way I'm going to teach my kids that you know you don't take advantage of stuff like that. That's right. You know, I mean, if you know, because that's that's just how life is. It's a certain way to kind of act and and to be. So again, to to, to recognize, hey, I'm going to sit here for an hour, and have the audacity to sit here. It's like, well, hey, come into my living room. Just come on in. Make yourself at home. Throw about paying the bills. Hey, the refrigerator is. Yeah, go ahead. Eat. Eat what you want, take what you want. Where does it stop? That's a great question. I, I, that's what I'm trying to figure out. And this is this is this is so troublesome for so many of our small business clients, Jack. We're giving examples here about some big companies, the Starbucks of the world, and you've got uh, Disney, which is ABC, which is where, where, where Roseanne is. These are big major corporations who have tremendous visibility and some influence about stuff. And I know this time next week, Jack, there'll be some other stories that are going to be out there. I mean, something else is going to kind of go on. But can we for, for, you know, for, agree to take a breath See, sometimes it seems, these things? It, it seems that uh, what we're experiencing as well is the, the extremes of capitalism. And, you know, I'm a capitalist like, like anybody else uh, that, that likes business and is involved in business. But there, there should be a, a community component to it other than just writing checks to established charities. They should be able to stand, stand not, not acquiesce, but stand strong in terms of political correctness that makes no sense and provide a, a venue, provide an opportunity to talk about it, come up with their stand. What does Starbucks stand? What are they doing? Is it corporate first? Is it profits? Is it what? Are they a nonprofit? Are they a community give back kind of company first? How do they look at themselves? Uh, do they want to basically ruin their company? In other words, uh, if I go in there for for coffee and a drink and and uh, you know a, a muffin or or some such thing, and somebody who who absolutely stinks and is dirty, hasn't had a shower for weeks, months, whatever it is, God knows what else, brings uh, his or her belongings in and just plops down at a table. Now, do I want to stay in that? And is there any consideration for me? Uh, Would I stay in that environment? No, I'd get up and I'd walk out. And I think most people will silently do that. Is that what the corporation is trying to do? it, it's there. There are very good questions in terms of the needy and how to take care of them, and the debates have to be really lively and deep because it's a big problem. It'll always be a big problem, but how do you solve that? Those are, those you, you don't solve it by just letting the lowest of the low, the you know, kind of come in and and uh, basically take over. Or if I start a conversation like that, I'm going to be accused of blah blah blah. It's not my that's not my intent at all. <laughs> hold on, we're up against a break here. Hold on to that thought. I want to come back. We have our last segment. Let's let's take a, a view from that standpoint, Jack, from the corporate standpoint. Talk about that a little bit, and try to see if we can't make some arguments that would that would make sense from that standpoint. So, stay tuned for more discussions. Here. We're going to talk more about some political correctness and some of the situations going on that are absolutely insane here recently. I'm Adam Sonhalter. And I'm Jack Mancini. We're business coaches, small businesses, 1 to 25 employees. We help them improve their profitability and operations. All right, we got more Dirty Secrets of Small Business coming your way, so stay tuned for that here on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, wintradio.com. I don't understand it. She wants to know where I've been. All right, we're back and at it here at uh, Dirty Secrets of Small Business. Thanks for joining us. I'm Adam Sonholder. And I'm Jack Mancini. This is our Fanato, Fanito segment. Yes, it is. <laughs> got different languages going. That's good, Jack. All it right. Is. So we were talking in this, the second half of the show about some political correctness stuff. We're digging into a couple of recent situations related to Starbucks and related to ABC and Roseanne Barr. And I think what I want to challenge us to do here, Jack, in the last segment here 
you and I have both been involved with big big corporations. We've been involved with small corporations, so we have a sense how these how these things work. Right. And you were kind of alluding to this or talking about it a little bit before we went to break in terms of what's Starbucks all about and you know, what's Disney all about. What are the values that, that that they're about? And we know the corporations are geared towards making profits. That's you know that's a big part of what helps make things kind of work. And so if I take a look at you know you're giving an example about Starbucks. Okay, well if you're a paying customer and all of a sudden you walk in and what you see is not the Starbucks that you've known and loved, which are people kind of coming in. It has a little bit of a, an edge to it. If you walk into a Starbucks, it has a different feel versus walking into, let's say, a Panera versus something else or versus your, your local coffee shop. It has a, certain, has a certain feel about it. And a big part of that has to do not only with the, the decor of the place, but it has to do with the people who are in there. And so picture now you're walking in, and all of a sudden after a few weeks or a few months, you start to see people in there that you don't recognize. You're, you're painting a picture of perhaps a homeless person coming in. And you know, dropping all their belongings there, they haven't they haven't you know, been cleaned in a while, and there's a certain odor that's you know that, that's not that's not to your liking, unless you grew up maybe on a farm, perhaps, where it's gonna you know maybe bring some fond memories for you, and maybe you stop going there. And so, what I think is probably gonna happen is this this choice that these guys are making, because again, it was done a big big choice was made very quickly, and we know one thing from being in corporate America, Jack, is usually things don't happen quickly. That's right. That is correct. So um, when they're all of a sudden making fast decisions like this with something that's, that's pretty major, again, less than 24 hours, okay, well, what's likely to happen is not going to be positive. I can see if we, we if we were to fast forward here the next six months to a year, if we look at the number of locations that Starbucks has today versus where it's going to be a year from now, I would not be shocked at all that they're going to have a decrease in the number of locations. We're going to have certain locations where all of a sudden they aren't making money in those locations because the people who are showing up there are people who aren't paying for anything. At the end of the day, they got to have a certain number of uh, amount of revenue coming into those places. Unless, like you're saying, hey, are they committing from a from a, a corporate value standpoint? Hey, we're going to keep open no matter what, even if it's a money losing store, because we want to make sure that people have a place to go and hang out. You know, if they aren't going to, you know, you know, buy anything, that they come and hang out here. They can use our facilities if they're if they're getting into some, uh, you know, can they kick them out if, if they're doing drugs in the bathroom? Or they have to keep them in there, too. At what point does it stop to where they can say, hey, this is our business, and if you aren't paying or something, you aren't adding value to our location, you aren't, you aren't, you aren't part of what we're, we're doing, you have to get out. When can they do that? You know, for, for, for Disney, if you look at Disney's you know, choice, you know, there's, as we read an article about it today, you know, they're just going through now, they're, they're getting ready for their fall lineup, and they're, they're out wooing advertisers to want to, 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 to wanna advertise in their show. That's how these, you know, Stations like, like ABC and NBC and CBS make money. You know, they, they make it through advertisers. And they were promoting the heck out of the Roseanne show because Roseanne was doing very, very well. And so now as they take Roseanne out, the top comedy in the country is being taken out of that. Also, it's going to damage the package that they have. I guess they could be applauded for saying, hey, you know, they aren't thinking about profit. But I don't know. Were they not? Because, again, there are other advertisers who probably would have would pull their support because, hey, I don't want to be associated with Roseanne. Much like we saw a couple of years ago when uh, now President Trump, you know, announced his campaign, he made a, uh, I'll call it more off-color comment about uh, about certain folks in Mexico who are coming across the border who are who are who are not necessarily the, the best people from Mexico and creating issues. And all of a sudden, he started having people that were they were pulling support from him. There are folks that were pulling support from his his companies to try to take that away. Now he was able to survive that, not only you know you know from a business standpoint, but also you know, eventually became president. But some people aren't able to recover from that. But you sort of look at these corporations and you know to try to paint the picture. Why is this best for them, and where does it fit into what they're all about? It's hard to see sometimes. Yeah, very much so. You know, it, it uh, well, it comes back to the, the the free speech comment and how can somebody in our non-judgmental, not economy, but our, our non-judgmental culture, be so judgmental? And it, it's the disproportionate power that relatively small groups, who in my opinion don't represent anything close to the majority, have this, this disproportionate power. Where did it come from? Who fuels it? That's what I don't understand. And I think most of us who are uh, the, the old Nixon terminology of the silent majority, you know, you... <laughs> You know it's wrong, but you don't know what to say and when to say, and you don't want to be an outcast. So many people are, you know, basically go by the sidelines. And what's nice about this country is that we all have a, a vote, and 
That guy, you know, I mean, it showed its head this last presidential election very well. And thank God for it. It, it provides a lifeline, quite frankly. But where do we go from whatever and whoever rules today, rules by reaction versus, you know, sort of a common sense prevailing? Uh, you know, you, you can fight any issue, Adam. You know, you can take sides. We could take sides for anything, pro or con, pro-capitalism, pro-socialism, or vice versa. You know, you, you can throw out arguments, and if you start to win that discussion of arguments, you can become emotional and uh, beat down your opponent that way. It's, it's a strange time in our country right now. It really is. I think many, many people feel that way. Well, you've got you got that vocal minority you're mentioning. I'm, I'm envisioning you know the whole idea of the witch hunts that happened you know hundreds of years ago. People with pitchforks and, and and flames coming. You know they're going from one to the next. So they're going here and okay they've they've got their their answer over here. Now they're going to the next person. And I'm wondering okay you know you, we're both aware that the, I mentioned Panera before. Panera had uh, locations that were they they had no price on the menu. Most people don't aren't aware of that. And the idea was that hey if you can't afford the idea is to pay what you can afford. And if all of a sudden, if you're a homeless person or if you're down in luck somewhere and you got a family of four, you got to feed. Maybe you can only you can only afford five bucks, but you go to a normal Panera, that would cost you forty bucks. Well, hey, they're saying, hey, pay five bucks, and what we're going to do is count on the folks who can't afford to pay more. They're going to come in instead of paying you know two bucks a cup of coffee, they're going to be twenty dollars to help kind of subsidize that and see how that kind of works. That those wound up early on being some of the more profitable stores that they had. I guess eventually it, it, it stopped working out. But I guess I'm wondering. Who's next? If Starbucks is doing this, and Starbucks is, is known pretty well, is 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 Panera next? Is McDonald's next? Is you know so is almost any restaurant I I go into now, it's going to be just taken over by people. Well, what's going to happen is also they're going to go out of business. That's right. They're going to go out of business. Well, who's thinking that far? Who even understands the cause and effect, and how many people seem to care about that? You know, well, let's, let's let Starbucks go out of business. Much like you know, we, I think we, we may have talked about this at a prior radio show, guys. Maybe it's a Seattle thing. It was the guy, the, the company in Seattle, where the, the founder stopped paying people different amount of money. They set the set the salary at all seventy thousand dollars. Right, right. And, and, and where is that company now? Today, uh, it didn't go so well. And the owner himself had to start renting out his house because he couldn't afford his house payments anymore. Right. <laughs> but the idea that everybody you know, should be paid the same amount of money. There's these these different ideas and, and decisions that they get made. They aren't thought through, so we, we 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 pick on corporate America sometimes for them being slow to make decisions. But at times, you got there are big decisions you got to kind of think through. You can't just react. And you know, if I was a shareholder in Disney or or in Starbucks, I would not be very happy with them right now in terms of what they're what things they're making. I'm not saying they shouldn't address these issues, but they should do it in a more I'll call it a little slower, more thoughtful manner versus being very reactionary. But uh, all right, well. Another one of our fastest hours of radio, Jack, is coming it is. on. Adam, it it's been through. it's been fun, been a good show. We thank you for being part of the show, and we invite you to, to join us every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Eastern. If you have any questions be, in between, give us a, uh, a shout. You can do it through email, radio at maximumvp.com, or give us a call 877-849-0670. Again, 877-849-0670. Uh, you can. Subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or go to the archive section of WINTradio.com. Hey, learn more dirty secrets of small business next Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. Hey, thanks for listening on Integrity Radio, WINT 1330 AM, 101.5 FM, and online, WINTradio.com.